In the dreams of allies, allies, conceptions, conceptions, After several decades of active duty service in the Coast Guard, he can't reconcile with a lot of meanings. Barry is going to study Sean, or else was Sean really a self-unaware faggot mutant with a strange sexual code in his X chromosome? Barry was driven by an ulterior motive. This was an experiment, because Sean was, for Barry's own ego, a kind of control experiment to scientifically find something out about the human condition. Sweet smell in the air. Barry was suspicious that Sean masturbated in his bedroom after playing tennis with Barry. He decided to experiment further, making a kind of friendly smiling face as he stuck his head abruptly into the unlocked door of this bedroom of a trusting friend. What are you doing? Barry asked quickly. I'm meditating and trying to send and receive messages to another who is meditating at this same time with me in another location. You actually think you can do that? It is only a theory, but I believe in testing out theories and keeping an open mind. I sometimes get a few results. Does it seem strange to you? Well, yes. I mean, you're in the CGI office, Coast Guard Intelligence, and working with law enforcement and security operations in the Guard. And you seem so scientifically minded with the NASA posters on your walls here in your bedroom from the Friendship 7 mission. All this science thinking, and it seems odd to see you guruing up like this. Well, lots of people in the Unity Movement meditate. We study meditation and relaxation exercises from a very early age. I'll admit that telepathy is a little obscure as a concept, but it's not denied categorically. Besides, I have a reason to try. I can't afford long-distance telephone calls to Iowa, and my friend is in uh, another part of Missouri, so just trying to feel connected to people when the budget doesn't allow any other means. Very smile, the sweet smile. But really, he just kind of closed the door again and went to his own room to listen to Beatles and Pink Floyd music. Barry's personal need for control eventually provoked the other roommate, Mark, and to move out. This put the whole burden of paying for the apartment on two people. Your time in the military ends in any way. So you go back to Iowa, and I'll move to an apartment on my own that's cheaper. Barry was also no longer entertained by the game he had played trying to see if Sean was gay. He could never get Sean to snap and go all the way gay for him, and in some ways decided this religion of Sean's 
was some kind of mind control. And even though Barry seemed to be very much into mind control, he felt that a religion that did mind control and suppressed the gay was oppression upon the gay. As far as he was concerned, it was time for him to move on. Barry went into his room to listen to the Beatles' White Album and smoked some of his California marijuana, both stoned and surprised when Sean knocked on the door and begged to talk, asking not to have them break up into separate apartments at this time. Sean tried to explain how limited his finances were if he was going to arrange to go to community college as he was getting close to the end of his tour of duty as an active duty member of the Coast Guard and was making a very scary, risky decision to go civilian and major in science somehow. Barry was actually angry to be prevailed upon in this way. He wasn't prepared inside of his own self for the idea that he actually was offending someone whom he felt like he had a nice, civilized, polite friendship with. Everything about this friendship had been convenient, even a little humorous for him up until now. He had never seriously respected Sean very much as a person, and he didn't really believe that Sean was authentic in a way that Sean could be taken seriously as a person who had a human heart that could be broken or anything like this. It disturbed Barry even the idea that he was being cruel in any way at all, in the slightest, towards Sean. Sean was to be found to be very much in the wrong. It was time to experiment. It was time to get back in control. They went to the tennis course to play a few games of tennis and to talk. When they came back from playing tennis, Sean went to take a shower. And when he got back from the shower, Barry was once again in his bedroom listening to his Beatles albums. And he commented snidely at Sean about how long he took in the shower. This led to a argument between them about emotional maturity and the fact that Sean simply stated that he's not an adolescent. And Barry tried once again to convey his suspicion about Sean being too affectionate toward him. Barry was beginning to be understood more clearly for the kind of control of things that he needs to have. Later on, Sean calls long distance to his brother back in Iowa. Jerry? What? What did Dad say? You know, you told me when Barry called him and told him that I was a homosexual. What did Dad say? I, I understand. Dad gave Barry a ration of, you know, what? About smoking too much marijuana from California and allowing a pleasure hedonistically immoral California marijuana-based hedonism to run the friendship. So Dad basically said that Sean loved Barry and would have done anything for Barry as a friend. And Barry misled things because he brought manipulations in on Sean. 
and it was therefore no surprise that Sean was confused. Sean was calling his dad, full of confusion about what he wanted to do with his life and confessing that he was smoking marijuana with you, Barry. So dad gave Barry a hard time pointing out that Sean spoke as accepting his own responsibility in the personal guilt of letting himself be drawn into smoking the marijuana in his relationship with Barry. Sean doesn't blame Barry for bringing this drug use into Sean's house affecting Sean's career. Sean acts like a true friend, not trying to excuse himself or fault his friend Barry. So who is really truly being the honest heart as a friend anyway? See, I think that Dad was defending you pretty good, Sean, in his own way. Thanks, Jerry. I needed that. In their last meeting at Barry's new apartment, they sit at the table and basically just drink a glass of ice water together. And Barry concludes by simply saying, I admit it's mostly my fault. And yet, I have to tell you that even perhaps anthropologically, and I know it's true, I've made you an anthropology study, and I shouldn't have done that. But we are different, and you are going to have to let it be. Just like my favorite Beatles song, you know? Let it be. I think I... I think I finally do understand a little bit more, so I release you and I let you go, and I'll always think of you when I play that Beatles song, Let It Be. Sean had learned to respect a principle of anthropology in the course of this relationship with Barry. He had learned it's important at times to let it be. Sean would turn to his relationships at Unity there in St. Louis in order to try to figure out what to do now that he was trying to afford to live in a highwayside motel room while he was already beginning to crack the books on the many textbooks he had purchased. Initially, this lady friend of his from Unity, whom he had been dating for quite some time, Jordy, helped him take a few first steps into civilian life. Now, Jordy and Sean went to Forest Park while Jordy was attending to the necessary task of babysitting her little sister. And so they were simply walking around the walkways by the Park Lake, one of the little pond-like lakes in Forest Park on a gentle breezy summer day, enjoying the park like everyone else was doing. But Sean was playing a game with the little girl and she was giggling excitedly and so Jordy walked over to listen to what Sean was saying. See that plastic bag? Do you see how it floats on the calm surface of the lake? Subject to any wind that comes along the lake to blow it around like a little sprite? 
Uh-huh. Here's my little lesson to you, little one. Faith and the power of your consciousness with faith is a tremendous magical power. And anything you decree and believe upon with your power of faith in spirit, it can be done. If you have enough faith energy, it even shall be done. Watch this. I will move the plastic bag to the right again. Watch. Here it will go. And sure enough, the little plastic bag blew toward the right across the surface of the lake. And the little girl giggled and laughed excitedly. Jordy is watching all of this, just staring in amazement. And Sean realizes that he has more than a three-year-old watching him. He jumps into a more metaphysical explanation. If you pronounce a thing with your force of faith, and your force of faith is great, then the combination of your internal faith and the common faith of the planet's field of collective consciousness, if they are in harmony, then what you pronounce will manifest. It will become real. But if the planet's field of collective consciousness is against the possibility you are pronouncing and believe, then it would take the rare occurrence of the galaxy's solar system field of collective consciousness to cancel out the planet's field of collective consciousness, permitting your belief energy to pronounce upon the manifestation of the reality of the phenomenal realm. This can happen. They call it a miracle. Sean can see that Geordi is rather incredulous at what she's hearing. And so he turns to the little girl that they are babysitting, her little sister, and she's still giggling very happily with him. And he says to her, And now you do it. Say a thing and believe it with all your might and all your being by the power of the Almighty One within you. It shall be established to you. Which way shall you make the bag blow on the top of this pond water? To the right, she said. Okay, Sean said watching as he turned expectantly watching the bag. And sure enough, the bag moved in the direction toward the right. Now, when Sean and Jordy and her little sister got back to Jordy's house, Jordy's mother talked with Jordy and the little girl, and Sean had been asked to take out the garbage from the kitchen, and being a dutiful man, he did his chore and was taking the garbage out for them from the kitchen. When he got back, Jordy's mother accosted him and said to him very simply, I guess after hearing what my sister and her husband have said when you rented their basement apartment last month, and then hearing this story about the adventure in the park today, and you doing things that seem, well, like miracles, I guess that you have taught me that there are limits to what I can tolerate and trust as a Christian. Something about you is so different. I fear you are 
going to be some kind of cult leader or some kind of false prophet. I don't want you seeing my daughter anymore. I want you out of my life. My Christianity is a more truly authentic following of the history of what is truly Christianity than what you do. Uh, okay. And so, Sean meditated to mellow, calm, soothing music in his one-room efficiency apartment by the highway about a quarter of a mile from the community college campus. Sean was driving on the highway back to his little motel room apartment in a driving winter storm and there was snow blowing in the air. It was just the beginning of the storm and the highways had appeared to be not covered with snow or ice. However, on Highway 270, where the bridges lift the highway up in the air in overpasses, the concrete is very cold. And so, what was only melted wetness in a recent snow on the highway becomes an ice patch, the very dangerous black ice on the highway. Many brake lights are flashing ahead of him, and he realizes that there is a pileup on the highway happening right in front of him. He immediately starts putting on his brakes, and he does so in a pattern. Break on and break off to slide a little more, then break on and break off so that he doesn't completely spin out. However, the vehicles in front of him are now crashing into each other, and it is very apparent that this is a chain pileup happening right in front of him on this highway. The vehicles behind him, by seeing his own flashing brake lights coming on and off, have started to brake early, and so he has given a signal, a noticeable signal to cars behind him, that there is danger as you come over the ridge of this overpass right now on this highway. He grips the steering wheel of his small vehicle and realizing that he's beginning to slide some more and that those vehicles in front of him are crashing into each other and seeing several vehicles now crash and they're going into the air impacting upon each other. He realizes how bad it is immediately ahead of him. There is a sound of many waters a rumbling deep sound. Ancient and enduring power and presence and a connection, a flash of white light all around him as his vehicle spins but it does not spin out and the energy in his vehicle in a perfectly balanced spinning has come to a stop instead of impacting the next car in front of him. Sean trained as an emergency medical technician in the Coast Guard and so he now does his duty as a civilian 
in the Coast Guard Reserve and a college student in science. He gets out of his vehicle and proceeds to the first car. Okay, sir, just make sure to keep that coffee cup over the eye and have him look at a single object on the dashboard and not move his eyes, not look around, and just be still. There's an EMTs coming, an ambulance is coming, I'm sure. As soon as they get here, let them know what I've done. They'll know what to do next. Okay, sir? All right, thank you. The car is clearly shoved around. I don't have a backboard with me. But what they're going to bring you is a backboard, and they're going to put a backboard in place before they move you from your chair, from your chair in the car, all right? So you just tell them what I said. Get a backboard, all right, sir? And just hold your head up there and just keep staring at one spot there. Don't look around. Don't, don't, don't try to move your head around. It hurts. If it hurts, that means don't do it, all right? So just hold yourself still and steady. As soon as they look in on you, when the ambulance gets here, tell them, backboard. Get a backboard. They'll know exactly what you're talking about and they will do it. Alright? Okay? And the police officer gets out of the car and walks over and says, You just provided first aid to that other car? Yes. Are you a first aid person? Yes, I'm an EMT. Okay. Uh, that's good. Um, and alright, I see you have your license. That's fine. But, um... There's more vehicles on the highway behind us right now. We're having a great deal of risk here of safety with regard to the traffic situation. So I'm going to ask you to get back to your car and move your car according to the way the officer directing the traffic says. We've got to get the congestion out of here. Uh, and uh, the ambulances are arriving in the next minute or so. So thank you for your help. Now get back to your car. Okay, officer, I'll do that. And so Sean went back to his car, got in his car, and the officers directing the traffic directed him to drive out and into the flow of the traffic that's going around the pileup. And Sean drives on back to his little one-room apartment. Sean drove the great distance from St. Louis back to Iowa to the small town of Mazzola. In order to complete his graduate degree, he accepted the grant that came from joining the Reserve Officers Training Corps. At the end of the first full week of camp, the training sergeant gave them Saturday liberty if they could afford to pay for rent of a hotel or motel off post. So some of them pitched together that were good old boys, and they got a rented motel room for a party. Sergeant Mentor showed up to visit a few minutes, actually about two hours, with his favorite cadets from this new training company. While there, the movie playing was MASH from the original Vietnam protest. The training sergeant had been drinking as usual for any weekend off-duty time, and he talked about what the movie made him think of. Sean Novell. Boy, 
Did they have some laughs? Hey, I got an idea. Let's call him Frank from here on in the training camp. Everyone, call him Frank. That way we can spread the word about this closeted faggot who wants to be in the army. And that's how it started. The eight cadets and the training sergeant celebrating their liberty in that motel room on that Saturday liberty from training camp agreed right then and there that just like Frank in the MASH movie was a closeted homosexual hiding behind being legally married to some fat lady in the Midwest, this Frank needs to be seen for the lack of leadership that he is. The training sergeant never let up. Usually it went like this. Nobody asked you to be here, Novell. Come on, Frank. Why don't you just quit and go back to Iowa where you belong? Sean knew that this command of the Army region that he was in had not recruited him, but that the Army command in Washington had spoken to him to recruit him to take ROTC. And they had sent him to this camp a week early, ahead of everyone else, giving him additional observation. One of those clearly doing observation warned him about this regional command. Another who visited from Iowa was clearly hostile to him, announcing that he remembered Sean from years back in high school in a very threatening voice. Do you remember me? Should I? No, I don't remember you. I graduated from your high school back in Iowa, and I remember you. I see. Sean knew a lot of the boys saw him on stage because he was acting in every play in the theater company in the high school all through his two years until he graduated. He was so busy with more than a full-time enrollment year-round for two years that he did not really have time to get to know half the boys that knew his name. Because of the special treatment that this first week of additional observation by this regional army command provided to Sean, Sean would respond by observing back very carefully to hear everything said and done. He would identify during his assignments clues of operational activity by members of this army region involved in activity uh, this past several months of uh, the most recent logistical year in this army command. He would advise his contacts in Washington DC who sent him here of many details that he observed including the location of an airbase constructed in Central America. Twisted games with no names Small minds exposed to drugs Read the signs in the times It's not okay to be this way In the dreams of alarms of alarms Conceptions, motivation, motivation Discretion, discretion, obsession Control so much, so much. In our future, in our distant future, traveling inside, traveling inside. 
Shadow of My Dreams, Episode 7, Twisted Games, was written and narrated by Stephen Wayne Newell, produced and edited by Max Wells, with music by Orange Division.